And so here we see this idea of taking off our old self, putting a new self. I think many of us as Christians, we heard this verse. But I think one thing I want to point your attention to is many times we don't, uh, when we think of our former manner of life is talking about our sinful desires, sinful life, which is true. But along with that comes also how our family had affected a, that part of our lives as well. How we live our lives, if we're not careful, we might continue to carry the sins of the past from previous generations. And so in order for us to dive deeply into the 90%, we need to take a look and confront and ask God to, to pour grace and love into the, those areas of our lives, perhaps where we didn't even know that we we're being affected by our family. But the whole point of doing this is not to make victim out of ourselves. See, God is not interested in making you and I feel like a victim looking at our past, our families, all like you're a victim. What God really wants us to do is experience victory. He wants us to experience all, all the goodness, all the fullness that God has given to us. Not only does God not want to limit us, he actually wants to liberate us. He wants to liberate us from 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 all the bondage that we have passed on to us without us realizing what's going on. So we're going to look at the story of Joseph today. Uh, I want to read for us from the, from um, Genesis chapter 50. It's way too long for me to read the whole thing. So I'm going to read just a portion of it from verse 15 to verse 21. And here's what it says. When Joseph brother joseph's brother saw that their father was dead they said it may be that joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we that we did to him so they sent a message to joseph saying your father gave this command before he died say to joseph please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the god of your father joseph wept when they spoke to him And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, you are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive, as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for us as we look into your word. Lord, would you reveal to us, speak to us, help us to get down to 90% and be open-handed, surrender to you to speak into those areas perhaps that are painful in our lives, perhaps that are areas that we have never dealt with. And so, God, we invite you. Lord, we pray for the Holy Spirit to work powerfully. We pray against the enemy that he will not instill fear in us, but instead, we will experience freedom through the Holy Spirit as we follow your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm always surprised by just the amount of um, chapters in Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis about Joseph. If you look, count up the number of chapters, Joseph's life actually made up 25%. 25% of the whole book of Genesis. And he's not even like the patriarch. Right, we we know okay, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, like they're the big the big guns in in in, in the lineage of Jesus. But Joseph, he made up a quarter of the book of Genesis, and the book and the story of Joseph is really one of family. I want to quickly go through for us uh, about his his um about his uh his 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 history, the story. There's quite a few chapters to to cover, but I want to show you this diagram because it kind of highlights to you. Just the 
the the amount of things that his life is made of through both sins of his family and the pattern of his family. You look at the beginning of the topic, Abraham and Sarah. We all know about the story of Abraham and Sarah. God promised them to have a child, but uh, they didn't trust God. And so Sarah gave her servant Hagar to Abraham. Every little dotted line you see is a strained relationship. So in that generation, three generations back in Joseph's life, we saw there are lies happening. There's sibling rivalry. There's favoritism. Abraham showing favoritism to, 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 uh, to his sons. There's unhealthy marriage. Abraham lied about Sarah twice. But we also see that that somehow got passed on to the next generation, to Isaac. Remember, Ishmael was not the legitimate son. You see that relationship got strained. Isaac was born. Again, Isaac kind of uh, inherited and continued to pass on the, the same sins that he, uh, his father and mother, his previous generation, and passed on. He lied about Rebecca. There's sibling rivalry again between him and Ishmael. He played favoritism, uh, especially with Rebecca, with Jacob and Esau. There's unhealthy marriage. You know, it's not a surprise how these things get passed on through generation upon generation if it's unchecked. Then we see from Abraham, Isaac, and then to Jacob. We see similar things happening again three generations now. Jacob have two wives, two concubines. He continued, in fact, Jacob himself, his name, uh, uh, God gave him that name to summarize his, his tendency to lie, to deceive. There's sibling, sibling rivalries. There's favoritism. He had 12 sons. We, that's where we got the 12 tribes of Israel. And all that to show you is that how easy when we are not careful, generation kind of pass on one to another, the sins of the past. And when we go to Joseph, we see there's relationship strain as well um, between him and his brothers. We'll talk more about that. There are three particular events I want to point your attention to. Three uh, tra- traumatic events in his life. I often wonder why uh, TV doesn't uh, TV companies doesn't make a, a, a show out of Joseph's life because it's so dramatic. There are so many ups and downs in his life, but there are three particular that really marked him. The first one is this. If you know, if I know the story, if you know, um, he was betrayed by his brother. Joseph was the favorite son. That's what favoritism does. He, he was the favorite son and, and he's not shy to brag about that. He makes sure his brothers know, his parents know. He got vision from God that one day he will be over them and he makes sure that his brothers heard about that. And you can just imagine as one of the youngest siblings, all these older brothers and, and were just being mad at him. And one day he was out in the, they were out in the field. And Jacob sent him out to, to check in on them. And they get enough of this guy wearing this colorful jacket, colorful coat. And so what they decided is dump him into a well, a pitch black, deep well. And at first they wanted to kill him, leave him dead there. I mean, just put yourself in Jacob, uh, in, in Joseph's shoes, sitting in a pitch black, dark hole, not knowing if you will survive that. The amount of questions, what have I ever done? What's wrong with me? Uh, how can I ever trust anybody? The isolation, the desperation that he had felt. And that was the first event. But not only that, after that, the second event is just when he thought, oh, he heard some noise and people were trying to rescue him. He thought people were rescuing him. What really happened was his brother decided to leave him dead, want to make some money off of selling him. And so for two years of wages, salary, Roughly maybe $80,000, if you think $40,000 per, per year. 
of today's money, sold him as a slave to Egypt. And so at age 17, Joseph was sold as a slave. Rescued, yes, from the well, but he has been imprisoned and been sold as a slave to a uh, country completely different from his own background. He has lost his mother early on. Now he has lost his father. Now he's lost his friends. Now he has lost all that he's ever known. He lost his language. He lost his culture. He lost everything, every support system, everything that he is familiar with. And now he has lost even his freedom to live. He is a slave. And again, at age 17, for some of you are age 17, now imagine everything has changed. The traumatic experience that happened to him. The betrayal that he had felt. And then here's the third thing. Even when he went to, to Egypt, he was faithful to God. He rose in rank. But but when he was working in Potiphar's house, you remember him? He was a fair, uh, one of the high-ranking officials in Egypt. Joseph, uh, Joseph was was uh, was t- uh, a Potiphar's wife. Found Joseph to be good looking and wanted wanted him while his her husband is gone. He refused. Joseph loved God too much to and loved Potiphar too much. He refused, and so Potiphar's wife turned him in and lied about him, and so he got thrown into prison unjustly. And while he was in prison, he was interpreting dreams, and then the, he helped the butler to get out of jail, but then the butler forgot about him, and eventually down the road, I'm summarizing a lot here, okay? So down the road, we saw uh, the butler finally re- remember when Pharaoh was looking for someone to interpret dreams, and butler, the butler remembered this guy in jail named Joseph, recommended him, and, and through all of that, Joseph interpreted the dream perfectly for, for, for uh, Pharaoh, and then he rose into the second high, second in command in all of Egypt. And all that was going well. And so you, you see how Joseph's life was messed up, uh, from, by his family. You see how his, his life was, was dealt with a lot of negative situation and circumstances in life. And finally, when he's about 30, he rose to second in command in Egypt. You think all things are being good. And in fact, if you look at the way he named his children, you can kind of get a sense that J, uh, Joseph was kind of past these negative things in his life. He had two sons. One of them is named Manasseh. The other one is Ephraim. Uh, Manasseh's name literally means making forget. Basically, he's just saying, I'm going to forget all that was going on in my past. Now I'm in a good place. And his second son named Ephraim means fruitful in the land of suffering. He finally experienced fruitfulness in his life. So all are, all is going well for, for Joseph. And then he shows up in the story uh, kind of pick up where we read is his brother showed up because there was a famine and out of that famine, there's no food. And Joseph, according to God's vision to help him, he knows that he should prepare. And so that's why he becomes second in command in Egypt, but his father and his family uh, needed food. And so they came to Egypt to try to look for food. But imagine Joseph being so Egyptianized that they didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph knew. Joseph knew his brothers. And so finally they reunited and they were scared. You can imagine for the brothers, the guy whom we sold to Egypt now is, is the almost like a, a pharaoh, the second command, and they were sweating. But then Joseph showed kindness to them, gave them food. In fact, what he did was he brought his whole family, including his father, to Egypt. But that's where we picked up in chapter 50. Joseph's father passed away. Jacob died. 
and his brothers were getting scared because they thought Joseph only did all of those nice things for them because, because he was kind to his father. And so what we read just now when Joseph kind of the key verse that we read earlier that Joseph said, you know, um, the, they, they, they were worried. They were worried that he's going to take revenge against them. And Joseph said this very well-known uh, verse that I, in some ways summarizes what the book of Genesis is about. In fact, it summarizes what the gospel is about. He says this, Joseph said to them, do not fear for him. Am I in the place of God? And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. The question I want to ask you, the question I want us to wrestle with today is what allowed Joseph to be able to say what he said in verse 20, when in every, uh, within his power, within, er, in, in, according to the world, his every right to take revenge against his brothers. What allowed Joseph to move forward with his life and say, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about saving on many lives. And I want to share with us just two, two simple truths as we look at Joseph's life. Two things that he needed to do to go back so that he can go forward with his life. Here's the first one. You're taking notes. This first one. The first one is this. That Joseph recognized the iceberg in his own life from his family. If we are to deal with the, the, our family history, both the good and the bad, and we are need, we need God's grace, the gospel to, to, to heal us in our history of our family and our culture. First thing is we need to recognize there is a humongous iceberg in each one of us from our family. You see, Joseph did not just sweep it under the rug. Joseph did not just say, Oh, I pretend nothing happened. Joseph did not just cast them out and just say, forget about you guys. Early in chapter 37, 38, Joseph wept and grieved. And in chapter 50, what we just read, we also saw Joseph wept and grieved over the pain that he has experienced. You see, the iceberg that, 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 that is underneath us is humongous, is ginormous. But the problem is oftentimes it is not visible. And so what happened is we can just kind of go through our lives and expect that, oh, it's not affecting me, it's not going to hurt me, it's not, it's not um, uh, influencing me in such a way that will affect my walk with God and my relationship with others. Joseph could have easily just swept everything under the rug and pretend nothing happened. But that is not what Joseph, Joseph called it as what it is. You meant evil. He was courageous enough, have faith enough in God to, to deal with the, the evil that was done to him. See, when we don't, when we don't live in reality, meaning we don't live face to face with what, what really happened to us, we don't really live in spirituality. See, when you're not in reality, we're not living in spirituality. We're living with a mask, pretending something ha- did not happen. And oftentimes we don't deal with uh, the iceberg. What has happened to us in our family is because we feel like we're trashing. We're airing out dirty laundry of our family. We don't want to guilt, feel guilty. We want to shame our family. We feel like, oh, why take up all these dirty laundry? Well, what is going to do for me is past now. See, Joseph did not just pretend it didn't happen. Joseph actually was very frank with his family when the, when the opportunity came up that what they did was evil. 
Is it when we we are not what we're doing when we're visiting, going back to see what how it affected our lives, our family, our patterns of sin affect our lives from previous generations? We're not trashing. In fact, what we're doing is opposite of that. When we look deeply out of love and God's love and grace into our history of our family, what we'll realize is that perhaps the previous generations are doing the best that they could. When we were praying for our worship service on Thursday, uh, my son was a part of the prayer and I, w- I was sharing frankly that no matter how great of a parents we try to be, we will still pass on patterns of our sins to you. And so no matter how, how good our family may be, how, how, how God fearing that our family may, we will still do that. And so we're, and, and what we, what we need to realize is that when we're facing these realities, we're not just, we're not just airing out dirty laundry. In fact, it will help us to appreciate our parents, our, our great grandparents, our grandparents even more because we realize they have been passed on to these things and they're doing the best that they could. But what we need to do is we have the opportunity because of the power of the gospel to break free from these patterns. That through the Holy Spirit, through the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, we could move forward. But in order to move forward from these patterns of sin, we must look backward first. See, every family has a pattern. Joseph's family have a pattern. We see up to three generations back there is a pattern. I mean, think of it this way. Every family had these unwritten rules in their house. Every family had these unwritten family commandments. These script that we have, we don't ever write it out. No one, I don't sit down with my kids and say, this is how we do things. There are these in, inside inner script that we live under and many of which maybe is unbiblical. I just give some examples here. Maybe the way we see money, money is the source of our security. We look at conflict, particularly as Asians, we avoid all conflict as possible. We don't talk about sex. We don't deal with grief because you shouldn't show your emotions. Even anger. We think any, we, 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 we sar- sarcasm, being passive aggressive is the way we deal with one another. In terms of family, maybe the, one of your description in your family that I pass on to is that if everything in our family is just stays in the family, we should never make anything in our family public. Don't trust people. They'll let you down. Attitude toward other cultures. Only be people like you. Some of us, some of our family, some of our culture might have, we might define success as being, being good at school, have a secure life, a good retirement. So all these things, no matter what culture you come from, what family you come from, we all, because of our fleshly self, our fleshly desire, have accumulated that over time through our family. And let's be honest, those of us as parents, sometimes we are unaware of what we're saying and doing. We also pass it on. And so that is what what Joseph was passed on. It is so important for us to realize, to reexamine. And the question I want to ask you is this, that this coming week, I want you to think about you as you're following with us with our devotion. This is to get you started to be open and ask God, what are some of those things in my life that I get passed on? What are some of those values that are unbiblical? That money is not the source of my security. Jesus is the source of my security. And I encourage you to examine that because you can't move past that until we take a good look at it, to recognize it, to acknowledge it. Otherwise, that remains to be unseen, untouched.
Joseph was not afraid. Joseph was courageous. Joseph, in fact, had faith in God to deal with iceberg in his family. Which leads us to the second one is this. That not only do we need to recognize what's underneath, what's being passed on to us. And we all have something that can pass on to us or for us to pass on to our next generation. Second one is this. We need to discern and trust the good that God intends in us, through us, and in spite of our family's past. See, Joseph did not just stay there and all the evil that was done to him. Joseph did not just blame his parents, blame his family, blame his brother. He saw clearly what was wrong, but he did beyond that. What helped him move forward is not just fixing his eyes on what was done to him, be a victim about those things. But what he saw was he saw those to be real and true, but he opened his eyes to God. Look at verse 20 again. He says this, as for you, his answer to his brother, the ones who sold him for two years wage, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. It is so easy for us to see the evil that people have done to us. It is so easy to look at the, 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 the things that were done to us that was not right. Maybe our parents, maybe our grandparents, maybe our siblings. It's so easy to point those things out. But Joseph did not stay there. Joseph said, I saw good in God. I trust God. I saw God to be good. I saw God's good in all of this. But that did not happen overnight for Joseph. Think about the long summary that I just gave you earlier. Every step along the way, even in his despair, he held on to God. Every opportunity, both good opportunities or or bad opportunities, he, whether he was in prison or he was in power, he saw God. He saw God's goodness in all of those things. And one thing leads to another. It led to him finally when he saw his brothers, even when Jacob, his father, died, he he saw the big picture of God's goodness. That God's goodness is beyond what he has experienced. That God's goodness is be- can use even evil, what people meant as evil, and he can make it good. Perhaps 20, 30 years ago, Joseph could not see being sold as a slave that God meant it for good. But along the way, he continued to discern and trust God in spite of what's being passed on to him in his family, in spite of what's being done to him as truly evil and betrayal and, and distrust, mistrust. God meant it to be good. He saw how through all of this, literally lives are being saved. Physical lives are being saved because there is food. But even beyond that, people get the front row seat to see a God at work in his life. See, Joseph saw God. Joseph saw God clearly. Therefore, he saw God's goodness even in the midst of evil. He saw what other biblical writers and authors would say later on. In Isaiah chapter 55, he saw what Isaiah would later on put in, into, into ink. He said, he saw that God, his own thoughts are not as good as God's thoughts. His way are not God's ways. He, he understood, he held on, he trusted that heaven's ways are better than the earth and God's way is better than his way and his thoughts. But not only that, he also held on to God and trust God enough to go to Romans 11. 
that the depth of riches he saw, he realized, he 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 fully are convinced that the depth of the riches and wisdom of knowledge of God is unsearchable. That God's judgment is unsearchable, is inscrutable in every way. And who could have known the mind of God? Who has been his counselor? Who has been given a gift to him that he could repay? Joseph saw the invisible hand of God. Sovereignty is not a spiritual word, a fancy word that Joseph just used. But he really believed that God worked in mysterious and hidden way. That sometimes our head cannot wrap around. And so even when people meant evil against him, he saw God's good. I think there might be times that people have meant criticism against us. Do you believe that God can change that for good? Can use that for good? Perhaps we've been, we've been, we've been hurt by people physically, emotionally, but God can use it for good. That is not to say at all that God, God, um, God, uh, uh, endorse evil or approve evil. God doesn't need evil to accomplish his good, but God is so proud that he's willing to use evil. He's able to use evil and turn it to good. The cross is the exact, the perfect example of that. People try to kill Jesus and they did kill Jesus. And yet the cross reminds us that even Satan meant it for evil. But God can use that and turn it upside down to make it the most glorious good that can be done so that there may be saving of your life and my life and we can be reunited and reconciled with God for eternal lives. You see, God can use evil and that's what we need to hold on to and discern. And we can only do that when we go visit, when we go back to look at our own lives, our own family. And for us, it will, for all of us, it will be a lifelong journey. It will not be a one-time thing, two-time. For the rest of our life, no matter how young you are or how old you may be, we are all walking on this journey to examine, to, to lay before God and, and, and allow God's grace to pour in our lives, to deal with some of these hurts and pain, disappointments, things that are evil perhaps, but we trust and hold on to God that he will use it for good, just like in Joseph's life in the future. And so here's what I want to challenge us to do. That we will continue to learn to be alone together. Going back requires to be alone. We've been learning about silence, solitude. We've been walking through the devotion. And there will be questions this coming week for you as you examine God's word. There will be questions that God will service some of those pains, some of the disappointment that you have gone through. And instead of shying away, sweeping under the rug, I want to encourage you to lean into God's grace and love. To let God examine those in your life. And we need to take time to do that. Because naturally, we do not want to face those things in our lives because it is painful. It is hurtful. It might bring back bad memory in your life. But I trust that God's grace is enough for us. But not only do we need to do it alone, we also need to do it together. Because when we're alone just by ourselves, we've been talking about the, the, the balance between being alone and together. We need loving brothers and sisters to come alongside with us when we cannot bear these on our own. When we need someone to process with us. When we need someone to speak truth when we don't hold on to truth. 
And perhaps this is the reason why we decided to do Zoom worship is because, and I'll encourage you to be in small groups because church is so much more than what, what, what we're doing right here in this picture. Folding our hands, putting a mitten on and just passively watching. God has called the church to be a body together. The body of Christ has many parts, but we're united as one. And so this is why one reason why I want to encourage you to partake in a small groups, to, to be in relationship to those whom God has placed in your life so that we can speak love, speak truth, speak grace into one another. Because these are not things that we can handle on our own. We need to spend time on our own to process and let God speak to our lives. But we also need others to surround us because perhaps sometimes those are too hard for us to bear on our own. Today, we're going to take communion together. But before we do that, I want to give us some time to really practice being together. One reason why we do Zoom is because we give a little bit of time to share with one another, to speak truth in one another, to encourage one another. So we're going to break off into uh, into groups for, for about 10 minutes. And the question I want you to start examining and start answering is this. What family script do you are you living by? I put some examples here. These are not necessarily uh, yours, but these categories are a good place to think about. What are some positive things? Because our family brings us good value too. But some of those also have some negative and some shadow to that. So what family inner script do you live by that you're aware of? Just to get us started this week as we go into it. I hope that our sermon will be the first step of that for us this coming week. For God to start working in our hearts. So we're going to break off into, into groups. And then we'll re- come back and we'll take communion together. We're going to look at Jesus. We're not just going to look at the evil. We're not just going to look at ourselves. We're going to look at Jesus and allow him to speak truth and pour grace in our lives. It reminds us this newness of life in Christ. So let me, let me break us off into groups. And then um, we'll come back in about 10 minutes. As we talk about these things, uh, I realize these are not something that we can just dabble in and just uh, expect things to be changed and uh, but one thing I want to end our worship service today is um, is kind of cast our hold back on Christ. You know, Jesus said the thieves come only steal and kill and destroy, meaning the devil, Satan. But Jesus said, I came so that they may have life, life abundantly. So as we observe communion today, uh, let's be reminded that Christ has died for our sins and Christ has risen to give us new life eternal life that started the moment we have put our trust in him and there is hope that christ will come again that when we're reunited with christ uh, for his eternal kingdom things will be completely different there will be no more sin no more sorrow no more weeping but in the meantime the gospel tells us it is jesus it gives us newness of life and so i know while these things sound so negative sound so heavy we have new hope Every time we look at the cross, we have hope that God can use the worst of things to change the, to the greatest of things. That the gospel is a gospel of resurrection. Jesus wanted to resurrect dead things in our lives. And so that's what we're going to do today. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26 reminds us what these elements represent. Here's what Paul says, for what I received from the Lord, what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, when he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we're going to play a song and sing it together. A song called, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. And as we sing that, Let's continue to come back before the Lord and ask God for forgiveness for sins that were committed. Uh, let's claim his promise for us that we can have new life. And many of you know, this is one of my favorite words to behold, to, to be in all of perhaps maybe a mystery for us, but is a reality for us that God loves us so much. That he sent his son to die for us so that we can be released of all these bondage of sin, including what had happened in the past for us and even what will be happening to us in the future. So I encourage you, those of you who have been baptized during as we sing, as we meditate, commit your life to God again and living faithfully for his gospel, for his kingdom. And after the song is sent, I'll pray for us and we'll take a communion together.